Amen. Amen. Can we say thank you to Pastor Lynn and Chad? Chad oversees our young adults. Pastor Lynn oversees our well, little adults, our children. And uh, we always say we don't raise children, we raise adults. And so we're here tonight because God is doing something in our hearts. I want to I give you something that I, I think is so exciting and so powerful. Our church is celebrating 35 years this year. 35. I think that's an amazing thing. Let's thank the Lord for that. 35 years. 35 years ago, I was nine. I was nine years old when this church was, was uh, established back in the 80s or something, uh, 81. So we, we have a, we, we, we're at a milestone right now, 35 years. So for the whole month of November, we're going to celebrate the entire month. So the celebration is all about Jesus and what he's doing and what he will continue to do through this church. 35 years. That's a, to me, that's a, a, a testament to, to God in who he is and what he is doing through not just you as the body of Christ, but what he's doing here in Hilo, Hawaii and beyond uh, our walls. He's continuously reaching out to people, uh, story after story. And, and as the weeks go by through this month, we're going to hear just the wonderful things that God has been doing. And just look around you. Look at the person next to you. That's a story right there. They're, they are a story. Yeah? Look at the person next. If you know that person, boy, do they have a story. Yeah, some of you know them before Jesus, like BC days before Christ. Yeah, so you, you're like, man, that, that is a miracle. Yeah, whenever God touches a heart, miracles happen, and there is a life change. Now, some of us are here tonight, and, and maybe there's another chapter coming up in our life. Maybe we're ending a chapter. Maybe we're in the middle of a chapter, and, and it's, it's exciting or it's suspenseful. Maybe it's, uh, it's a thriller, or, or maybe right now it's, it's horror, or it's dramatic. Maybe it's drama right now. Uh, it could be maybe you're in the middle of a scene right now, and you don't know what's going to happen. There's the unknown. There's fear. Maybe there's darkness and despair disappointment or maybe even inadequacies and you're wondering how do i how do i get to that next page well jesus had some followers that he called his disciples now that word disciple is a learner someone who learns that they're they're able to receive teaching from someone else and so we're going to be in the book of mark if you have your bibles uh, turn to the book of mark chapter 4 and i'm going to be in verse 35 if you don't have your bibles and you have a smart something uh, then you can open that up, and I'm sure you have a Bible app somewhere. And uh, we're going to take a look at this story that is, is so powerful for us to understand how Jesus operates when it comes to these things that we call miracles. Now, we live here in Hawaii, and I, I believe it's during June till about, is it September? Is it? Yeah, hurricane season, November, hurricane season. And that for us, we live on an, uh, just an island. So when, when hurricane season comes up, you know, we get prepared. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't like hurricanes, but I like the food we eat during hurricanes. Like all the junk food Heidi makes for us, like Vienna sausage because it can last for days, uh, 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 hamburger, and uh, what's that other cre cream of... Cream, I mean, like cream of wheat. Cream, not cream of wheat. Cream, uh, uh, my, oh, my goodness. I feel like a game show. What is it called? 
Mush- mushroom. Cream of mushroom. Oh, my goodness. Cream of mushroom. <laughs> you guys didn't yell it out, so don't act like you knew. But you knew what I was saying. Okay, okay cream of mushroom. We should just pray and go home. But you eat, you eat all of these different types of food, uh, corned beef hash, like you fry it. Like you got to have it crispy. And ketchup, you, you got to have ketchup with it. And then you make like tons of rice. You just have to, you always have to have rice. That's the staple food. And so you have all of these different foods. The luxury foods, the ones that I like, like ice cream, it's, it's not during hurricane season. You, you just don't have that because it melts if the electricity goes off. So you have these certain key foods that you're going to have during this thing called hurricane season. We like the food, but we hate the weather. We don't like it when things get damaged. We don't like when the storm comes up. We don't like after the storm when the trees are down and when we have to clean up and when we need help for, for tree removal. We don't, we don't like the aftermath of a storm. No one likes that. I heard it said like this before, when there's a storm, it's just God washing away the skies to bring brighter days. And I wonder if maybe even in our lives there are storms that come upon us that we're going to be okay, but Jesus washes our soul clean. There's this story in Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to read it to us. And this story is such a powerful example of Jesus and his power over nature. If you want to write down a title tonight, if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about Jesus' power over nature. And he says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Nature has its laws. In the Sea of Galilee where they were, you know, now I don't understand science too much, but I'm going to take a, take a shot at this, and if you're going to correct me afterwards, and please do so. But apparently when water evaporates, right, heat rises, there's a displacement of space, so something has to take that place scientifically. So in the Sea of Galilee, what happens is cool air comes in, and as cool air comes in, it's pooling, hot air is rising, water evaporating, and there's this cyclical uh, thing that takes place. So after a while, when you have this cool air coming in, heat rising, and continuously doing the same thing, the same time you have this mountain range, where on the other side, cool air is dropping, so you have this pool of gravity. Now you have this turning of wind, and when that takes place, Over the ocean where the water was, now you have this storm coming up. Now you have this little boat that's in the middle of this storm. And when this storm is taking place, it's more than just 
being afraid that they're going to drown. It's understanding that Jesus was the one who told them, let's go to the other side. In other words, these are fishermen, some of his disciples. They've been in these storms before without Jesus in the boat. They know what to do in the midst of the storm. But for some reason, it's almost like they were saying, wait, we didn't, we didn't say to come out here. It wasn't us. Jesus was the one. So if he's the one that said for us to come out here, let's go, let's go talk to him. Let's go find, where is he anyway? And he's sleeping. So even worse, not only did Jesus bring them into the midst of the storm, he's sleeping at the same time. Now, here's the carnality of Christ or the, 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 the being a man, all God but all man. Remember now, Jesus gave up his rights as, as the Father, as God, gave up his rights as being the most powerful and humbled himself and became a servant. So he became a human being so he could experience what we would experience so that when we have anything that we go through, we can always go to God and he will understand. Sometimes we're on our knees and we're crying. We're begging God for help. We're asking him. And he understands because it was Jesus who was in the Garden of Gethsemane crying out to the Father before he went to the cross and said, Father, can this cup be taken away from me? Yet not my will, but let your will be done. So God understands what we go through. There's not one thing that you will ever go through that God does not understand because Jesus, the Son of God, went through it already, already, yet without sin. He was tempted in every way, but without sin. So here we have Jesus sleeping in the stern of the boat, and Mark is writing these words, his observation on what took place. And it's pretty interesting because right before this story of the storm, Jesus is giving tons of parables, stories, illustrations, the sower and the seed. And he's, he's letting them know that this is what the kingdom looks like. That you're a light, a lamp on a stand. The mustard seed, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. So Jesus is speaking in this way and he's using these illustrations for the people to understand. He's speaking in a way that no one else has spoken about God and the people can understand. And the disciples would question Jesus and say, why are you talking about stories? Like, what, what, are, you, what are you trying to say? And Jesus says, because you're asking, the mysteries of the kingdom will be revealed to you. So now Jesus is done with all of his illustrations. And all these farmers are looking at their seeds and saying, well, that makes sense. What you're talking about, that makes sense. I can understand what you're saying. What the disciples didn't know was after that long day of preaching, after all the hard work they were going through, Jesus is tired. He's physically tired. He went to sleep. Have you ever had such a long day you can sleep just like that? Yeah, some of you are sleeping right now, so I understand. It's, it's, I mean, it just sneaks up on you just like that. So Jesus is sleeping. He's tired. And here are the disciples wondering what in the world is going on. So now you have... Jesus having them to cross this lake, this sea, right after this hard day's work, just talked about parables, stories, illustrations, and the disciples are just about to not hear another illustration, but they're going to be in one. 
they're not going to hear another story from Jesus. They are the story. But see, in the midst of the storm, they could not see the miracle that was about to take place because they were in the storm. They're in the story. They're in the middle of it. Their page has not yet turned. The chapter has not yet been written, except for Christ knows what's going to happen. They're stuck at their the middle of the page, wondering what's going to happen. If Jesus did care about us, why doesn't he do something? How can he be sleeping? So they ask him the question. Do you not care that we're about to drown? Now, Jesus, he knew they weren't going to drown because they were more secure in the boat with Jesus than outside of the boat in the storm. See, you're going to have outside storms and inside storms. The question is, which one are you going to let take you over? So we're going to observe some things. Here's some observations. First of all, it was, it was Jesus' idea to cross over this sea, to go to the other side. There were other boats also in the storm with them. Jesus was sound asleep. The disciples questioned Jesus if he cared if they died. Another observation is that Jesus addresses their faith. The disciples, they observe the power Jesus has over the wind and the waves. When Jesus says, quiet, be still, and he calms the storm, we got to remember that the disciples knew about God. So they knew about the miracles that God performed way back when they were slaves in Egypt, the Israelites. And when they were slaves in Egypt, remember God raised up Moses, and then Moses led them out of Egypt into the promised land. But they had to cross a huge sea called the Red Sea. So God says, strike your staff into the ocean, and then what does God do? He splits the Red Sea, and they walk across dry land. So the disciples know this. They know about this story. They know about the miracles, the plagues, and, and everything. And that's why Jesus says, do you still not believe? In other words, Jesus was saying, I am the same God that split the Red Sea. I'm going to show you something else that will be pretty miraculous. And he says, peace, be still, and everything's still. Not only did Jesus calm the storm, but he did something more incredible than the parting of the Red Sea. The parting of the Red Sea, they could walk on dry land. This time, Jesus says, you're going to walk on the storm. The, st the storm has nothing over you. Easy to walk on dry land. Easy to do that. Tougher when you're in the midst of storms to trust me. Because you can't see the outcome. On, on the, when the sea is opened up, you can look right through and you can say, okay, there's the end. Wow, look at all this. Look at what God is doing. But in the midst of the storm, you can't see the end. You don't know when it's going to be light again. You don't know when the rain and the storm is going to stop. But then Jesus reminds us, 
that I have power over nature. I can say, peace be still, and everything is calm. Now, scientifically, that just doesn't happen when it's calm. It just doesn't, it doesn't become still. There are laws of our land that when waves hit the shore, it's, there's going to be swaying back and forth. There are other boats there that not only did Jesus rescue the disciples, but these other guys on the outskirts, they too received this miracle. And they were able to receive because of what the disciples were doing at that time in the boat because of who Christ is. Listen, you may be in a storm right now, and you know Jesus Christ. There are other people that are around you that can receive because you know Jesus Christ. They're going to be able to have a life that is changed because of your belief in Jesus. See, a miracle, a miracle doesn't just happen to one person and then that's it. People's lives are changed. When this miracle took place, the disciples were afraid. They were fearful because they're wondering, how does this happen? That the wind and the waves obey him. They had such respect for Christ such fear for him that they were martyred for him eventually. Except for John, he, he lived on and he wrote the book of Revelation. But they believed in Jesus so much, they had a deep conviction because they saw, they lived it, they were in the story, they didn't just read about it. Now, we, we, we probably heard this story many times and we could have read over it. And it takes a couple, maybe a minute or so to read over this story. But when you're in the storm, even a minute is a lifetime. It, 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 I mean, it, it drags you down. And so then these observations that we're going to see is not just what happened in the storm, but where do we go from there? What happens when there's a storm knowing that Jesus has power over the storm? He has, Jesus has power over nature. Now, I don't, I don't know why Jesus doesn't always rescue from hurricanes and, and tornadoes and, and tsunamis. I, I, I wish I could answer that. I just don't know. But I do know what he did and what he continues to do today, and I trust that he knows what he's doing, that in the midst of Jesus' power over nature, he will use nature, the natural that we see, to do something supernatural that we have yet to see. And he may use examples and illustrations. My life is an illustration. Your life is an illustration, an example of God's grace over us. And he says, how often have I calmed storms in you? And how often have I said, peace, be still, with storms that surrounded you that you may have soon forgotten? Possibly even storms that we never knew it was Christ who came in and calmed the storm. We don't know. That's why we say all glory goes to him. The things seen and the things unseen. This is, these disciples, they could see what was happening. The one who created the wind, the one who created the sea, he has power to rebuke them. He's just that powerful. So how does Jesus' power over nature, the miraculous, affect us? And what can we learn? How do we apply this into our lives with these six observations of this miracle? How, how, does, this, how does this help us? Well, when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, he's always taking us somewhere. We don't settle with Christ. If you think coming to Jesus means all is calm, all is bright, 
he takes us into the storm. He, he knows where he's going. He, he knows the outcome. And he still takes us through the storm. It builds our faith. That's what it means to grow up in life. When we, when we begin to walk, we stumble, we fall, but we learn. So it is with storms. Now, Jesus, Jesus didn't cause this storm. He doesn't promise smooth sailing. He doesn't promise that there will be no storms, but he does promise he will be with us in the storm. That's his promise to us. And even though you think he's sleeping, he's not dead. Sometimes we think, wow, he's, where are you, Lord? Like, I'm praying to you. I'm crying out to you. And, but you're, are you sleeping? Do you even hear my prayers? He's not dead. He's with you. He's right there. He knows exactly the perfect time for everything to take place. Even though it's his idea for these things to come about and to build your life, he knows exactly what's going to happen. There are also other boats with them in the storm. Now, I don't know their faith. The Bible doesn't say what they believed, but all we know is they received the promise at the same time. They, they got rescued too. And I, and I don't know if they met up with the disciples later and said, hey, so tell me what happened. I mean, we heard all the illustrations that Jesus gave. We heard about the parables of the, the mustard seed and the farmer sowing the seed. We heard all of these things. And the words that Jesus spoke, it just, it gripped us. And so we wanted to follow him. And so when you guys got into the boat, I know you guys are trying to escape us because of all the crowds, but we followed you. But when we followed you, did you, we had the, the storm, we saw the storm coming and we we're thinking, we're dead. Well, what is going to happen? But something happened. Tell me the story. What took place? Now, who knows what could have been done? Who knows what would have been shared? But all we know is Mark wrote these things down because something powerful happened. When something powerful happens in your life, you write it down. It, it needs a mark on you. It, there's, there's something that changes inside of us. Something happens. Now, we can decide if it happens for greater or for worse. It's our decision. The disciples could have complained after that. They could have said, well, you better stop the storm. We're with you. You said go to the other side. It's almost like, remember that? And it's not really a game. You know when someone sits on a railing and then you push them, you say, save your life. You are the one who was trying to push them off. So it just doesn't make sense. You cancel yourself out. So the disciples had, had all the right to say, yeah, you, you should have calmed the storm. You told us to go with you. So they could have turned it into a negative, but yet they said, man, who is this person? And they followed him. Listen, there are going to be storms in life that you can blame Jesus for or you can stay with Jesus. You can just stay with him. Because the disciples experienced more than just the miracle. They experienced the Savior. And that's who God wants us to draw near. It's Christ himself. Jesus was sound asleep. It almost sounds ungodlike that Jesus would be sleeping in the stern of the boat on a cushion, which means he was comfortable. Like he planned that. He actually went down and said, I'm going to sleep on this cushion. He wasn't sitting on the side and, and hoisting up the sails or rowing the boat and was just dead tired and said, oh, I'm just going to crash right here. He consciously went to sleep. Did you know that no matter what Jesus does in our life, even though it seems like he's not there, 
He doesn't leave us. That's the word abandon. When the Bible says he doesn't leave us nor forsake us, to forsake is to abandon. He doesn't abandon us. Sleeping and abandonment are two different things. If Jesus wasn't on the boat, that's a different story. But he was just sleeping on the boat. And no matter what we go through, even though it looks like he's not there, he's right there in the midst of the storm. And he will always be there. The fourth observation is that Jesus, uh, the disciples questioned Jesus if he cared if they died. Do you even care if we drown? Like that's a valid question. It's, it's almost like a, you can answer yourself that question. You can, you can answer that question. Do you care if we drown? Imagine if Jesus came on and said, I, I don't care. I, I don't. So keep, keep rowing. Like, there are certain questions that it's probably rhetorical, that we just, we can answer ourselves. Hey, Jesus, you said you're going to provide. Jesus, you said. We can kind of answer it, but I don't think the disciples were being sarcastic at all. I think they really needed assurance. And as gracious as God is, Jesus is the only assurance we need. He died on the cross, rose from the grave, And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, so can we. Even though it looks like we're perishing. Even though we may die, we will live. Even though it looks like life is done, I'm done, you will still live. Even though it looks like it's dark, there's there's no hope at all, there's still hope. Even though it looks like no one else cares, he does. Even though it looks like no, nothing is going to work out for me, there's, there's no one that's going to help me, nothing is going to happen that's going to be good that will come out of this, Jesus says, I am good. I, I, my grace is sufficient. I'm a good God. You stick by my side and you watch what I can do. He may be sleeping, but he's not dead. He's alive and well. The fifth thing is that Jesus addresses their faith. The, the, the one thing that causes us to believe in Christ, our faith in him. And just before this storm, he's given the illustration of the parable of the mustard seed. And he says in verse 30 of chapter 4, the book of Mark, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. What Jesus was illustrating to them is, he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's like he's saying, did you not just hear about the faith as small as a mustard seed? It may seem small right now. He's saying to his disciples, it may seem small right now, but the kingdom of God is about where you're heading and where you're, who you're becoming, not where you are right now. you got to see the potential, not just the reality of today. Oh, that you need reality. You need the reality that this is a small seed. i got to take care of this. i got to plant it correctly. It has to germinate correctly, and it has to have water, sunlight, photosynthesis must, must take place. Yeah, i got the reality, but at the same time, I can't wait to see what this becomes. What Jesus was reminding his disciples was, 
you may be in a storm right now, but boy, wait till you see who you become. You're going to be world changers. Just ordinary people in the marketplace, fishermen, tax collectors, you're going to change the world. He's saying, don't forget your potential. All he needs is just a little bit of faith because he's a big God. He does the rest. We can take no credit for how big God is in our life. He's big with or without us. He's magnificent with or without, without us. He's glorified with or without us. The Bible says if we don't cry out to him and worship him, the rocks will. He's, he is who he is. We can't change that. But what's good about God is he says, I can, I can change where you are to bring you to a place where I see you can be. That you're bigger than this small, tiny little mustard seed, but that's all I need. I can work with that. Yeah, but I'm insignificant. Are you tiny little insignificant, as small as a mustard seed? I can work with that. Yeah, but I, 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 don't, have, I don't have the guts to do certain things. You have small guts, just tiny little bit, just a little bit? I can work with that. Can you just take one small step? I can work with that. Because I can do big things. Let's look at God's track record. There's nothing God ever did that was insignificant. Everything God does is unbelievably magnificent. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, we can look at the sunsets and, you know, the beautiful landscapes. And we live here in Hawaii. We have great landscaping. And uh, we have, we have uh, beautiful mountains and, and waterfalls. We, we have paradise. Yeah, I got that. But to me, what's even more magnificent is that was created out of nothing. If God can create something as beautiful as what we see around us out of nothing, he can do something great with someone that may feel small at times. Because it is him. That's how great God is. So Jesus addresses their faith. The sixth thing, the disciples observe the power Jesus has over the wind and waves. Here, here are the, the two elements that the wind and the waves, wind you can't see, waves you can see. Wind you feel, waves you feel and see. And it's not the wind that kills you, it's the water that does. It's the waves. That's why they, they didn't say, they, they said, don't you care that, that we drown? Don't you care that we drown? See, these elements that are around us, they're life-threatening sometimes. And sometimes it's even life-threatening to our spirit, the storms that come our way, that our spirit is getting beaten up. It's getting broken down. It's getting tossed to and fro. Sometimes we feel like we're drowning. We're sinking. But Jesus' power over the wind and waves, the disciples observe that. They see him do something supernatural with the natural and so it is with us. The natural mind of a man, the natural mind of the heart of a person, the heart that we have, the mind that we have, the, 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 the psychological ups and downs that we go through in the, the when life happens to us kind of situation. When, when these things happen, we have natural tendencies to fight back, to, to revenge, to, to do what we can do in our power, yet... When you're in a boat in the middle of a storm, what can you do but rely on Christ? 
You never know how much Jesus means to you unless Jesus is all you have. You never know how powerful Jesus is until all you have is the power of Jesus to rely on. May it never be so that even when the, the storms are calm or, or the waves are calm and there's no wind, that we say, I got this. You can leave the boat, Lord. I got this because it's calm now. May we always have Jesus in our lives. So no matter what takes place, it's never about what he can do for us. But it's about what can we, what can we do together? Where, where are we going to go today? What is it going to be like today, Lord? We're going to do this together. You're not going to leave me. You're not going to abandon me. You're going you're gonna to empower me. You're going to strengthen me. And I'm going to see some miracles happen in my life with you. It doesn't get any better than that. It's a relationship. That's what Jesus wants. He could have said to his disciples, take the boat. I'll meet you guys there. I'll meet you guys. You, guys, you know what? Three of you guys stay with me. And then four of you guys go. He did something on purpose so that they could realize the power that he has over nature. And whatever storms we encounter... Exterior, interior, whatever it looks like, he's always going to be there with us. Now, we've heard the song, and if you haven't heard this song, it, there's, a, there's a line in the song that says, sometimes Jesus calms the storm, and sometimes he calms the storm in me. Because we're, we're going to encounter both. But Jesus can do both. Simultaneously, when he said, peace, be still, I'm wondering if he's also speaking to the disciples. Because he has power over the wind and the waves, but they're not alive. The wind and waves, they have no feeling. They have no fear. It's It's nature. But the disciples, they're fearful. They're afraid for their life. They're in chaos. And when Jesus says, quiet, be still, the wind died down and it was completely calm. It was the disciples that said, who, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. At the same time Jesus calmed the storm, he calmed all the storms. He's just that powerful and that good. Now, I, there's no time frame on this. You know, Mark didn't put down, okay, uh, 6 o'clock, we left, 6.02, 6.10. There's no time frame that this took place. So I don't know what time frame it looks like for us that we're in this storm. If it's six hours, six days, six months, six years, all I know is this. Even in the midst of the storm, whatever timing is there, it's perfect for the miracle. It's perfect. The miracles that take place, before every miracle, there's a mess. You don't get miracles without mess. There's always a mess. And maybe there's mess right now in our minds or in our life, uh, outside circumstances, situations you cannot control, and life's a mess. You're right in line with a miracle. You're in the same arena, the same context, the same sea, ocean, storm as a miracle. The miracles don't take place when it's all calm. There's no miracle that, that took place in the Bible 
when everything was well. The reason why it's a miracle is because it was messy, chaotic. And Jesus speaks, and he shows himself in who he is. There's a verse in the book of John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, that Jesus wants us to remember. And John wants us to remember this. He says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And he's saying, the spirit of God that is in you is greater than any other spirit that's outside in the world. What John was alluding to was they had false prophets and they had people who would sound like they're speaking good things, uh, a gospel of some other kind. And so John was saying, listen, you're going to have these false prophets. They're going to come in. They're going to they're say nice things. They're going to try to lead you astray. But you got to test them. you got to ask, is that from God? As great as that sounds, as, as, as compelling as it is, is it from God? And you got to ask yourself, Lord, is that you speaking to me? Yeah, but it's hard. I don't know. I, I can't figure this out. The situation is just too big. People are saying all kinds of things, negative things coming my way, good-sounding things coming my way. But greater is he who is in you than anything else that's going on the outside, anything else that is happening on the outside. It's who is in you versus he who is in the world. And we know who is in the world. It's the devil himself. He tries to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Small mustard seed becomes abundant. And he says, you just got to stick by my side because I'm, I live in you. You're now the boat. And I'm going to be in you. And no matter what storms we come across, we'll also conquer them together. And when you stand before me face to face, in this perfect place called heaven, the same Jesus that was with us through the storm is going to be the same Jesus to welcome us home in paradise together with him to our brand new mansion. We've got to keep that vision ahead. We've got to keep looking forward and stay close to God. And never forget who you are. You Dear children are from God. That's how John starts off this passage. You, dear children, are from God. He's reminding us, don't forget who you are, that you're his children. Don't forget that. You may have been labeled something else. Maybe, maybe you've forgotten that, oh, I'm a child of God. But the, or, or maybe it seems so simple that, oh, I'm a child of God, but it doesn't help me pay the bills. I'm a child of God, but that doesn't help me with my stubbornness child of God. See, we, I think we all have different labels. We label ourselves. People label us. But John is saying the greatest label you should never forget is that you are children of God. Well, how, how do I deal with the hurt? What about my pride, selfishness? What about, what if I'm a condescending person or I'm a bitter person or unforgiving? What if I'm an angry person? What if, I, what if I'm just hard-headed? I mean, can you see all the labels we put on ourselves? And John says, put all those name tags on the side. Start with this. You're a dear child of God. Whatever names we put on ourselves or whatever names people put on us. He says, you're my children. And when the disciples said, do you not care 
He's speaking to the Father's heart. The disciples speaking to the Father's heart. Do you not care? And I, I can almost imagine when Jesus was going to the cross. That was proof enough. Like if they knew that, I don't think they would have even questioned if Jesus cared. Because he was, he was going to die for them. I want to close with these three things that I want us to remember if you want to write this down. First thing is this, that God is greater than the storms. He is so much greater than the storms. He has power over that nature. He's, he's greater than any storm. Second thing, he can rebuke any storm. He can rebuke that storm. He's a life changer, circumstance changer, miracle maker. This is what he does. He's just too good at this. He can rebuke any storm. And throughout Scripture, here's the last thing, the third thing. He doesn't ever want us to forget who we are. He constantly reminds us who we are. Don't forget who you are. God is greater than the storms. He can rebuke any storm. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget. Life will pull us away from who we are in Christ. Situations will do that. Circumstances, trials, tribulations, persecution. But we're not crushed. Or we may be, but we're not destroyed. Don't lose your faith. Even though small. This journey that we're on, even as the body of Christ, we're on this, we're in this journey together. But we're we're not alone. I mean, we, we all have things that happen in our hearts. But the greatest news is to know that no matter what storms are on the outside, that Jesus is with us through it all no matter how difficult it is, we just can't forget who he is. You pray with me. Lord, we thank you for how you do what you do. You, you're able to speak to us in ways that we can understand. You, you've given us your word. You've given us hope beyond what we could imagine. And you help us to understand the greater things that you're able to do. You have power over nature. You do the supernatural. And so, Lord, tonight we just want to thank you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight that whatever they're going through, you know exactly what's happening. You know the storms they're in. You know the situation they're in. I pray right now, Lord, that you would rebuke the winds, the waves, calm the seas. And if you have to calm the person and the storm inside, peace be still. Lord, we ask that you would speak that. that peace be still. Give us your peace, Lord, knowing, knowing that you know the outcome. Our peace is not in our situation. Our peace is in you. You are the prince of peace. And so we ask that your peace would come upon us, that whatever life looks like right now, that's reality. You will see, you'll give us eyes to see the bigger picture, the potential. And instead of us focusing on who we are, what we've done, where we've been, 
Help us to focus on who we're becoming in you. Because you're bigger than any storm. You can rebuke the storm. May we never forget who we are in you. That we're all your children. And you're a wonderful father. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Can we just say thank you to our Savior? so good. Welcome up, Chad and Pastor Lynn. Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. That was an amazing message. You know, I think one of the things that really stuck out for me, if I kind of just summed it up, is just to trust Jesus with my life. And everything that, like Pastor Sheldon was sharing, you know, the storms that come, they just happen and we have no control. But if we can just trust Jesus with our life, with everything that we go through, we can be sure that he'll bring us through. And he's going to do something great within us. Pastor Lynn, what did you get? Well, um, I had a lot of flashbacks, actually, as Pastor Sheldon was sharing. And I love this story because it just, again, brings afresh that sense of knowing who the Lord is in your life. Next week, I, I get to have my 46th spiritual birthday. I have known the Lord for 46 years. And so I had all these flashbacks of difference, not just storms, good times too, but my walk with him. And through it all... I have never known him not to be faithful, not to be there when I needed him. So I'm living proof, <laughs> and hopefully um, I will get many more years, not probably not 46, <laughs> to see his miracles in my life from our faithful, precious Savior. Thank you, Pastor Lynn. Why don't we all stand and let's uh, mm -hmm. praise our Lord.